0: To be bold America, I'm your host, Jill Cody, and before I introduce the topic and our guest' bio, I'd like to invite Julie in now. Julie, are you there? Hi, Hi. I'm here Oh, Hi. I'm so glad. Well, the reason I want to invite you in a little early is that, as you might have seen, I was going to have a co-host today yeah and Margaret Franz Costello um, woke up yesterday under the weather and can 't join us today
1: so it 's going around we 'll be thinking about her
0: yeah, well, she was so disappointed she really was looking forward to discussing this topic and speaking with you so Um, bummer. (laughs) Yeah. But now you've got to just handle me, you know, it's just me today. Um, (laughs) Okay, good. Good. So to get started, I wanted to make a comment, then I'll introduce the topic and then your bio. Okay. Okay. So, on with the show. For my comment, I wanted to say that we have a program today that may seem a little off-topic from discussing ideas on how to restore our democracy and fight the climate crisis However, it really isn't. On the KSQD website, Be Bold America's program description starts with saying, We have a crisis in politics that can't be ignored, but we have a crisis in acceptable character and principle-centered living that can't be ignored either. What was just uncovered this past week is one stunning example of this. We learned that Fox so-called news reporters who promoted the big lie on their network knew the election was not stolen, but still promoted that lie anyway for fear of losing their audience to other right-wing media, and, if that happened, they feared the resulting loss of revenue that would cause. Ram said that, Truth is the basic fabric of the universe. The truth is everywhere. Wherever you are, it's right where you are. It is right there in front of us all unless you have people in power positions intentionally ripping that fabric of truth for their own personal gain. Those who do this have no character, nor are they living principle-centered lives. It would be impossible for them to do what they do if they possessed either. We have big things to do. Today, our program is... You Are the Universe, Ram Dass Maps the Journey, which is also the title of a new, beautifully designed guidebook. The guidebook has been sourced from five decades of recordings. In it, Ram Dass shares his life story and transformative teachings in his own words with honesty and humor. Ram offers teens and adults of all ages life-altering inspiration for understanding universal truths, navigating their unique paths with compassion and awareness, and living a meaningful life. Our guest today is Julie Weinstein. Julie's professional career is devoted to advancing environmental and social justice. She also serves as both a Jewish and Buddhist chaplain in the jails within the justice movement and for people experiencing loss, grief, and trauma and Julie has been practicing Ram Dass' teaching for over two decades and co-leads community initiatives for the Love, Serve, Remember Foundation. Julie, welcome again to Be Bold America. Thank you. Hi, it's so good to be together. It is. I was looking forward to this interview a whole lot, so maybe the best place to begin is to just tell us briefly about Ram Dass'.
1: Yeah, happy to. Um, Ram Dass was very well-known and still is a very well-known sort of counterculture icon from the 60s. Um, he was, in early in his career, was a psychologist um, and has a background in um, child psychology as well and really started to explore... Um, in the 60s and early in his career, you know, who we are and why we do the things that we do, and um, had the good fortune to spend some time with Timothy Leary uh, at Harvard and do some psychedelic studies um, and really dive a little bit deeper into the truth of who we are and why we're here, and ended up... Um, Leaving Harvard, got kicked out of Harvard, and and he and he tells great stories about how that came about, um, and ended up journeying to India and had the beautiful fortune of meeting his his teacher, his guru, and came back to the states after India and started speaking about um, about just that, who we are and and why we're here, and, um, it spent a lot of time going back and forth uh, to India, but also um, in social initiatives, uh, the environmental justice movement, social justice initiatives, And um, uh, Ram Dass' uh, teacher, um, Neem Karoli Baba, his guru, said to love everyone, uh, feed everyone, and tell the truth. And, um, and remember God. And that's exactly what he did. He spent his entire life doing just that. And um, I think many of your listeners will probably be familiar with his iconic book, Be Here and Now. It was sort of like the, the guidebook, the, the hippie Bible um, <laughs> of the 70s. And, uh, and it has sold over, you know, well over 2 million copies now um, and is printed in several languages and is read all throughout the world. And um, Ramdas left his body um you know a few years ago in 2019 but his message very much lives on and it's it's still very very relevant today like the the quote that you that you read earlier about truth as the ba- basic fabric of the universe so um you can check out uh more of ramdas's teachings on ramdas.org um his foundation is run by wonderful beautiful friends of ours and um there's uh, retreats a couple times a year, and, um, you know, there's an amazing podcast, Be Here Now Network, and, um,
0: yeah, tons and tons of resources, really, for everyone. Well, you, I think I read in the book, too, that he was looking, uh, going to India and looking to change his whole spiritual life and connect to his soul. And then he, I think the phrase he uses, is, then he met this old guy in a blanket. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right that is absolutely
1: right he begrudgingly climbed a mountain and um literally and climbed a mountain literally was in the himalayas and climbed the mountain and uh you know didn't want to go kicking and screaming up the mountain and then <laughs> um you know and you can you can read about his journey uh but essentially kind of fell at the feet of this man who looked at him and and loved him um despite all of his flaws and uh, you know, all of, all of his longings and clingings and, um, shortcomings and, uh, you know, never, he, he had never experienced such unconditional love like that before. And, um, his teachings, you know, Neem for Baba, who, who goes by Maharaji, which really means great being, um, had very simple teachings, uh, and, and, Really resonated deeply with Ramdas at the time.
0: So, yeah. So, you're with the Love, Serve, Remember Foundation. Tell us about that.
1: Well, the Love, Serve, Remember Foundation is Ramdas's foundation, and um, it, they're really dedicated to continuing to um, share the message uh, of Ramdas. They host uh, events a couple times a year, um, they, you know, put out a, a ton of media. Um, so, a podcast uh, recordings—they keep the archive of Ram fifty years. You know, he had—he was prolific. He spoke all the time and taught all the time, and um, and so. Well, that's it, the foundation.
0: Aren't there groups around the country too?
1: Yeah, there's amazing fellowships. Um, satsang is a word; it means spiritual community. It's sort of like a spiritual family or community, and um, there are satsangs all around the world. Uh, there is, um, very international satsang, the sort of the general satsang, and then folks in, um, cities all around the world meet, uh, you know, to, to learn together, to study together, to eat together, to chant kirtan together, have holidays together, and, um, just kind of share in the, the joy and sorrows of living together. And, um, and I think, I don't know how many uh, satsangs or or fellowships there are around the world, but you can definitely find them in your um, area on the website, on Ramdas.org, and also on Facebook. And then there are several of them that meet through the foundation, through the Love Server Member Foundation, that meet online as well that are amazing, just beautiful programming, teachers from all over, and they're open for everyone of all ages.
0: Well, I did and, look and online all bathro-
1: backgrounds too.
0: I did look online, and there's the closest one to the Monterey um, or the cent- California Central Coast, Monterey County area is um, Santa Cruz County area, is mm-hmm. uh, San Francisco. So yeah, uh, it's big. Yeah. Is it big? and Rondos lived up there in the Bay Area for a long time. Ah, okay. So, so that's- he, he definitely has roots up there. Yeah. Well, I wanted to point that out that that we do have a fairly close one. So, tell us also how you mm-hmm. and Amy Butens got together and to write "You Are the Universe." Ram Dass yeah. maps a journey for youth and adults of all ages. Yeah, that it happened. was real.
1: Yeah, you know, it was a real labor of love. Amy is my twin sister. We're twin sisters. We're identical twins. Really? And um, yeah. Yeah, we're twins and we do a lot of creative projects together. And Amy illustrated this book. It's beautiful. Yes, what a talent. If I do say so. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have four kids between the two of us Amy and her husband, and my husband and I. We, we raised our children very, very closely. And at, at some point in there, I don't know, you know, preteen, early teen years, we were thinking because so much was coming up for them, um, and us as parents. Uh, and so we were thinking we would write a small book for them. We would write a little guidebook. You know, here are the teachings that we want to pass down to you that really helped us get through our teenage years. And then we kept writing and we kept writing and, you know, Amy and I had, had spent time with Ramdas and, Amy and I spend a, a, and still spend a lot of time at the Neen Karoli Baba Ashram in Taos, New Mexico, because we both have uh, homes in northern New Mexico, and that is a very special place for us. We've been going there for, gosh, over 25 years, and we just started writing and writing, and at first we thought we would write like a young kid's book. We would write... Um, you know, something like Very Digestible and Short and, you know, some of the greatest hits. And then, you know, the kids were getting older and we kept writing. And
0: <laughs>
1: I know and, how and books evolve.
0: His, they just keep evolving. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we
1: didn't want to write this from our perspective. We wanted to translate to them, you know, our favorite, most meaningful teachings. So it was all in his words. And anyways, one thing led to another. And we ended up almost like an archival project. We ended up sourcing this book, uh, from exactly from his words of over 50 years of recorded material. And, you know, we, we reached out to the foundation. We have, like I said, you know, friends at the foundation that we had, um, come to know over the years. And, uh, you know, we just said, we're writing this for our kids and this is like a real project here. And, um, Anyways, we went into collaboration around some concepts with them, and uh, one thing led to another, and this book was birthed. And the f- section of the book, there are three sections of the book. And for those familiar with Be Here Now, you'll remember there are three sections in Be Here Now. There's the story in the front, and that story at the time was written up to when he met, I Curly Baba. And then there are those sort of, like, very groovy brown pages in the, the center section with the iconic teachings and then there is this, uh, you know, what they called the cookbook in, in the back, um, the, the last third of the book. And those are sort of like the methods, the how to, the details, the practices, the mantras, things like that. And this book was modeled off of the style of the here now where we took his story all the way up to his death. So from birth to death. So kind of like um, the sequel to Be Here Now. Mm. Uh, And then the iconic brown pages we have in our book as well, Um, but those are new teachings post Be Here Now. Um, And then where they have the cookbook in the back, we have our spiritual toolbox. And that, again, includes teachings from um, post Be Here Now up until
0: his death. Well, I have questions for after the break. You're listening to Be Bold America on KSQD 90.7 FM, Many Voices, One Station. Listen globally online from the ksqd.org website. Our topic today is You Are the Universe, and we're speaking with Julie Weinstein, who is the co-author with her twin sister, Amy Butens of You Are the Universe, Ram Dass Maps the Journey. Sourced from five decades of recordings in a beautifully designed guidebook, Ram Dass Shares his Life Story and Transformative Teaching.
2: Learn more by visiting ramdass.org. I'm your host, Jill Cody. Ready to connect and have fun? UC Santa Cruz will host the 2023 West Region Conference of Experiential Education. It takes place March 3rd to the 5th next week at the restored 150-year-old Cal Ranch Hay Barn and 30-acre farm and garden. The conference explores how educators and students can provide a learning environment in which everyone can thrive, promoting justice and equity. To learn more about this gathering, call Kim at 831 Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance, reminding you that when you adopt a shelter pet, you discover all the things that make them unique. Adopt Pure love at the shelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund.
0: We're back. Would you like a friend to hear this interview on You Are the Universe? Be Bold America is available as a podcast. Subscribe for free from your favorite podcast platform, would you also like to be added to our news group and get advance notice of our upcoming interviews and the link to the audio afterwards? If yes, then please text Be Bold America at two two eight two eight. Text Be Bold at two two eight two eight. And if you've signed up already, thank you very much. Also, I've just learned the provider for our news group is discontinuing this texting service. So, if you've been thinking about joining by text but haven't done so yet, do it now before this easy method is gone. Now, Julie, I know an important area that Ram Das talked about was in his teaching was understanding grief. Uh, can mm-hmm. you talk about that a little bit? Because I think there's a lot of, lot of grief uh, from our national level into our personal lives that all of us need to manage.
1: Yeah, there is so much grief. Um, and Ram Dass spent a lot of time working with grief uh, and people who were grieving, he often would say that grief is something that we can work with. You know, we don't have to push it away. We can spend our time with it. And, you know, back to this sort of first quote that you opened up with around truth. He, he really took that seriously to cultivate the witness within, to, to see where we're at, to feel all the feelings, to acknowledge, and to sit with it. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think grief is a common experience. Um, sometimes can be very uncomfortable for some people. Sometimes we can feel stuck in our grief as we sort of bear witness to the suffering or to a loss. Um, and Ramdas uh, really allowed spaciousness for that grief.
0: You know, I feel very happy in my personal life. You know, a wonderful husband Good. and a, a, a wonderful place here at KSQD and and yeah. wonderful friends. But I carry grief regarding what's happening in our country. And Ramdas says that there's an ocean of suffering in the world, and yeah. That there's pleasure, beauty, fun, and play, and an ocean Wait. of love, too. However, right. I feel the media brings the ocean of suffering immediately to us. It's so intense. What often happens is we feel powerless. What are his thoughts on handling that incoming, those waves of the ocean of suffering that the media mm-hmm. brings to us all 24-7? Are there any, any um, teachings around managing that?
1: There's so many teachings. Um, and I actually would love to make a book recommendation. Uh, Ramdas has a, a great book that he wrote a long time ago called How Can I Help? It's one of my favorite books. Actually, I keep it on my desk and I refer to it often. Um, and in it, he talks about just that he, he kind of dives deep in the book, uh, and sort of like brass tacks, you know, it's sort of, uh, tactical how to navigate this situation or that situation. But he also talks about going beyond the helper role. Am I being helped? Am I helping? And just being with what is. Yes, I agree with you. The media does stir emotion and grief and rage and, you know, sadness and all kinds of feelings. Um, and I think Rambas definitely gave us some tools To navigate um what are moving in yeah moving into compassionate social action um you know remembering our breath there's a, a section in our book but he talks a lot about it around karma yoga which is the yoga of action uh and the bhakti path which is devotion and when we practice karma yoga we're making a our actions, our social actions, you know, our protest, our letter writing, our whatever it is, into a sacred offering. And, um, and I think our opportunities to work with the grief or to the work with the anger or to work with the media um, are endless. But he very much taught that the path and the goal were the same. We're going to do the work. Um, One of the things that I have next to my desk is, you know, he used to say, work full time for the relief of suffering, having no uh, expectation that suffering will end. You know, what is liberation and will we get there? And we want to be hopeful and we want to say yes. And also his teaching of being here now really means like being in this moment, in this swirling sea of suffering and of love, you know, the ocean of love and the ocean of suffering um, are kind of one and the same, and uh, we will surf those waters.
0: Um, well, I love could. that, the, you know, recommending the book, How I Can Help, he also talked about that he observed one of our biggest obstacles is in the area of service, in the area of service is inertia. Or the tendency yeah. to be passive and do nothing—that—that—that's the hardest obstacle overcoming—is overcoming that in, initial inertia. inertia.
1: That's right. It's absolutely right. I—I I would love to read you these two paragraphs from the book. If sure. Like. He, of course. He talks—he um, talks a lot in his lifetime. He has talked a lot about overcoming the inertia, the—the the overwhelm. This is real. We talk a lot about burnout, especially for those that. You know, um, consider themselves activists or allies. Uh, we have to be gentle and careful with ourselves. But, but, um, anyways, uh, here I'll read you. I'll read you this because I think it's, it's good. Exactly what you're talking about. Good, go, go. He says, even though we find ourselves afraid and not feeling peaceful and less than fully loving and compassionate, we must act. There's no way you can be in an incarnation without acting. We cannot wait until we are enlightened to act in the world, and we don't need to withdraw from the world to become enlightened. We all hear the way in which our silence is itself an act of acquiescence to a system, which is what you were talking about, which allows the status quo to continue. I think it's very hard to understand when it seems like our participation is such a trivial act, how it's connected to the entire universe that way. But I feel that it's important not only for the relief of suffering that you do what you can for other people, but it's also important for you to open your heart that you do something. Like I've mentioned before, I can disagree with a political leader's actions. I can lobby for legislative changes. I can protest if I think what they support is wrong. I can disagree with actions that are not compassionate, but I want to keep my heart open if I don't. I am part of the problem, not the solution. That's what the inner work is, to become part of the solution. You don't have to act out of anger in order to oppose something because it creates suffering. You can become an instrument of that which relieves suffering by oppressing somebody with love. You can do social action out of love.
0: Wow. Well, you know, it's such a struggle because... Again I'm gonna mention uh Fox so called news. I, I yeah I just recently saw a clip and the strategy uh with their reporters is they'll say mm-hmm. you should be outraged by this. Yes. You should be angry about this. You're not gonna like this. You know, they right. they set their viewers up. Um for all of that. Well, it, oh, yeah. Give
1: them talking points yes. for their
0: emotions, you know,
1: breed fear. Right. But Ramdas says, you know, part of the truth, when we see the truth, part of the truth is that people lie. <laughs>
0: it's true. People lie. Well, one thing, too, when we're talking about ocean of suffering or the ocean of love, uh, mm-hmm. I took many years ago and taught the... Um, Dr. Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Right. And he was talking about scarcity mentality and abundance mentality. And that both worlds are out there. So if you're in the ocean of suffering, which I'm afraid the the people that watch uh, uh, Fox so-called news and the others that are like that just want to stir up the anger and outrage in people that they're living in that scarcity mentality, you know, victimhood, grievance. I don't have enough. It's somebody else, them. And then, but there's also that ocean of pleasure, beauty, fun, play, that ocean Mm -hmm. of love, which I feel is the abundance mentality. And I think it's really a conscious choice that people need to make on which world they want to live in, because both are out there. Yeah, I
1: guess I would say to Jill, both can be true at the same, same time. time. You know, Ramdas mm-hmm. used to say, you know, someone would ask him, Ram Dass, are you sad? And he would say, yeah, I'm, I'm really sad. And they would say, are you happy? And he
0: would say, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. really happy. Mm-hmm. And both can be true at the same time. I do. I do get that because I, as I started, I'm very happy in my personal life. Yeah. And yet sad about what's happening in the right. country and to some of my fellow Americans. and. You can be both at the same time, but I was thinking that where do you live predominantly? Where do yeah, you, where well, are you that old
1: metaphor, right? Which wolf do you feed or yes, whatever, right? That old thing. Right? That's a
0: wonderful that's a that's a yeah. wonderful poem. Um uh, I think it's a Native American one. Which wolf do you feed? Well, right. you are listening to Be Bold America on KSQD, 90.7 FM. Many voices, one station. Listen globally online from the ksqd.org website. And we are speaking with our bold guest, Julie Weinstein, who is the co-author with Amy Button's of You Are the Universe, Ram Dass Maps the Journey. In this guidebook, Ram Dass offers teens and adults of all ages life-altering inspiration for understanding universal truths, navigating their unique paths with compassion and awareness, and living a meaningful life. We will be back with our guest, Julie Weinstein, right after Jim Hightower's commentary titled, Love to You from Valentine, Texas.
3: Please be my Valentine. That is not only a warm, sweet, sometimes romantic sentiment people express in mid-February on frilly red cards. It's also the name of a third-century saint who literally lost his head a ninth century pope whose reign lasted only 40 days, three Roman emperors, a very good Mexican hot sauce, and a tiny town in Texas. That town has a genuinely sweet story to tell and a unique role to play in the sending of thousands of Valentine's Day sentiments to people around the world. Valentine, Texas, population 217, was founded by the Southern Pacific Railroad in the 1880s and reportedly was named for one of the corporation's big shareholders. Nothing romantic about that, but in recent years, would-be cupids have turned the town's name and, believe it or not, its one-room post office into a center of affectionate expression. What happened is that romantics from distant places began to batch up their pre-addressed stamped valentines and zip them to this postal outpost way out on the Texas-Mexico border. Why? because to give their sentimental missives extra oomph, they wanted them to bear the special touch of being mailed from an actual place named Valentine. The greatest thing about our public postal workers is that they literally deliver, and the Valentine branch goes the extra mile to provide this loving gesture at no extra charge. Melda Ornelas, postmaster of the 79854 office, hand stamps each envelope herself. Indeed, the Valentine Post Office is now officially designated the Love Station. Moreover, the local school district holds an annual art contest among students to design each year's Valentine Postmark, which is then stamped on each envelope. This is Jim Hightower saying, See, while the media tells us our world is going to hell, here's another grassroots example of loving, creative people going the other way. Happy Valentine's Day! The Hightower Radio Lowdown is brought to you by the Lowdown Happy Hour, live streamed from the Chat and Chew Cafe. Details at HightowerLowdown.org.
0: If you're just joining us, we're speaking with our bold guest, Julie Weinstein, who is the co-author with Amy Butens of You Are the Universe, Ram Dass Maps the Journey. Now, Julie, I wanted to ask you another question about Mm -hmm. the guidebook, because, um, I became, when I was reading it, I became uncomfortable with relating Ram Dass' experience with hallucinogenics in a book for Mm -hmm. youth. Why was this included and what was the purpose of its inclusion?
1: Yeah, so I will um, tell you a couple of things. It was included because it's kind of an integral part of his story. This is a book for older teens, the young adult audience. So this is not for children necessarily. Um, I... I leave it up to the parents if they want to have that conversation with the young kids. But um, this is really a a book for older teens, and this is part of their reality. It's out there. They know about it. And um, there's a big cautionary tale in the the book here, too, where he says the psychedelic experience isn't necessarily for everybody, and we need to be sensitive to this. I want to be clear. Psychedelics are subject to an incredible misuse, especially when they're not approached sacramentally, or consciously it's better if you wait to become somebody before you could try to become nobody most kids use drugs before their egos are settled and because they use them prematurely they lose their ground and could even lose their ability to function in society i honored psychedelics as a method but i say there are other methods the game isn't to get high the game is to become free and that is um right there in the book with a big caution sign next to it and we wanted to make and those are his words we wanted to make sure that kids saw that because um, when I say when I say kids, I really I mean you know
0: older teens. Older teens, right?
1: Yeah, they they are confronted with drugs and alcohol and all kinds of substances all day long. It's out there, and so I know that this is intimidating for some you know parents or, or uh, guardians to see. Uh, you know, this, what a beautiful book, but I don't know if I want to scratch the surface with my with my teenager. I mean. I hate to break it to you, the surface has been scratched. <laughs> so we can shy away from it if we want to. And what he said really is true. You know, it's not to get high, it's to become free. But this was a very, very integral part of his uh, awakening because he had never done anything or, or even fathomed anything like this before. And and that was a portal into the truth of who he was. <laughs>
0: Thank you for that. He also talked, and I think this is something that happened to me as a young adult, mm-hmm. is um, becoming trapped in other people's expectations. I think that right. when you're, a, um, well, even when you're a child, you're responding to your parents. And, and then when you become a teen, you're looking to, you know, trying to develop who you are. And, right. and then you get trapped in what other people want you to do. Can you expand on that from his perspective?
1: Yeah, so sometimes he used to teach this, this, uh, metaphor. We were born, he would say, you know, I was born into the spaceship, you know, this costume, right? Uh, who everyone thought I would be. And they used to say to me, like, very nice space suit. What a nice, you know, right? But the, it's a metaphor, you know, like, um, oh, you're doing so well. You're so good. You are so smart. You are so successful, right? And the expectations that were laid onto him. And he really talked a lot um, over the past 50 years about how long it took for him to outgrow that costume to, to break away from who he thought other people thought he was. And he used to say, you know, when he would meet someone new, he would say to himself, you know, are you in there? I'm in here. Mm-hmm. You know, he says much of our life is us. Um, reaffirming to each other that our costumes of identity are on straight and encouraged us to, like, drop the costume. Be your true self. Uh, And then he says that sometimes it didn't seem very natural to him. You know, I'm I'm a scientist. I'm a professor. I'm a whatever, right? I'm successful. I'm an, an art collector. You know, I'm wealthy. Those kind of things, right? And... And it was through psychedelics, actually, that he learned that he is not those things. He is not the costume. We are not the costumes that people have put us into.
0: Well, you mentioned the phrase, be your true self. How does Mm -hmm. a a young adult know what that is?
1: Well, it's a great question, and I think part of this path um, is to figure it out. And I think there's a lot of adults that haven't figured it out either, right? This is a lifelong process. It's Mm -hmm. not just... It really is sort of like this archetypal or universal existential question. Who am I? Mm -hmm. Who am I? Why am I here? You know, how do I work in this world? What is my purpose? What happens when I die? Where do I come from? Those are fundamental questions. And, you know, the section on methods, and those are techniques to it and contemplate it, whether it's through meditation or yoga or chanting or service, uh, social action, you know, all of these things are tools. Being in spiritual community, prayer, you know, all of these things, right? These right. methods
0: mm-hmm. are, can help us. Well, he says. And they're for anyone of any age. Well, it also, a discussion for a young adult um, is, you know, when he talks about um, that he thinks the heart is the only institution that he trusts as an agent of social change. It's not the big organizations, not the government, not the family, but it comes down to the human heart. And I don't know that young adults are really taught to listen to their heart. Right. Or what it. What does he mean by it comes down to the human heart?
1: Yeah, most teens, most children aren't taught to trust themselves, right? Right. Um, and those are great conversations for us to have with young people as educators, as guardians, as parents, as, you know, peer mentors, whatever, to talk about uh Institutions to talk about um, intuition, to talk about you know what we know to be true. Let them express their questions. Those are healthy conversations for any of us to have with kids.
0: Right. Today. Well, your section two of the guidebook is called "From Here to Here to Here," and yeah. it talks about what are the three planes of awareness or three spheres of awareness. And it seems that it relates to this uh, that we're just talking about. What does that mean, the three planes of awareness? Sure. Is one of them the heart?
1: <laughs> right. Well, inside of our heart, we have awareness. We have a soul. We have an ego. And those are really the planes that, around us as we operate in the world on. When we operate from our ego, we know what that looks like, right? right? <laughs> we sure do. But we can't drop our ego fully, that would be maybe unsafe for us. It would compromise our security in the world if we fully, fully dropped the ego, right? I, saying, you know, I, um, I deserve protection or I belong or I have value, right? Uh, we need a little bit of ego, not too much, but we need it. Having awareness, you know, when we recognize our own consciousness, in the world, you know, our own passions, uh, being able to discriminate, um, knowing what the, you know, uniqueness is of not only ourselves but every person in the world, having the distinction uh, that we are connected um, to, to truth, to each other, you know, all faces, that's important too. And that is another plane that we operate on. But Ramdas talks a lot about the soul, especially later in his life. And when we operate from the soul, transformation is possible. That is where we really can bear witness to the deep suffering and uh, not get so carried away in ego. The soul allows us to identify heart-to-heart with maybe someone that we do not want to identify with. Uh, You know, he says, um, like, he talks about politicians being, like, shoddy or manipulative or deceitful, right? But we also know that they are fellow souls, just like we are. And when we can keep our heart and our mind, like, soft and open and receptive um, to see them as souls, We can do our work, we can, we can do our action from a, from a different place that's not so maybe mired in ego or righteous, you know, anger or what have you. Um, reject the action, but not the person, right? We don't necessarily, um, we might not be able to change people, but our love, I believe, and I think Ramdas very much believed is powerful enough to make that possibility.
0: He also uh, said too. it's hard to look within when the mm-hmm. pizzazz, I love that word, when yeah. the pizzazz <laughs> yeah. of the culture pull, pulls you outward. It's hard to look within when the yeah. pizzazz of the culture pulls you outward. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Well, you know, you talked about the media. I right. mean, pizzazz reminds me
1: of like jazz hands and, yes. Broadway and you know <laughs> <laughs> which I love. Yeah, I love his language. He's so colorful. But um, but it's still true today. You know, pizzazz is not that popular of a word, but oh my gosh, it's so distracting. Look at social media. It's super pizzazz, right? Very hard to look within when everyone's posting every five minutes or feeding you, you know, feeding you the emotion, uh, telling you how to feel. Well, that's pizzazz. That's distracting. And it is hard to look within. We get carried away sometimes. Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I, you know, whatever it is? But, but that pizzazz uh, is also a time suck, too, and it takes us away from practice.
0: Well, and as I was referring to before, some of the pizzazz of the culture is telling you to be outraged, telling you you should That's be right. angry, telling you that you're not going to like this, and right. you really have to... Um, I don't, I guess it would be your heart telling you, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute,
1: right? Wait, Jill, wait a minute. I want to act from love. I want to act from a place of radical love. I want to show up to the protest with radical love.
0: That's a great phrase uh, radical yeah. love. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with our bold guest, Julie Weinstein. Who is the co author with Amy Butens of You Are the Universe? Ramdas Maps the Journey. Sourced from five decades of recordings in a beautifully designed guidebook, Ramdas shares his life story and transformative teachings. Learn more by visiting ramdas.org. I'm your
2: host, Jill Cody. Tonight at K, uh, KSQD at 6 p.m., we rebroadcast a February 12th episode of Intersections. A variety of indicators point out that many people are experiencing unprecedented levels of stress and anxiety from work, political polarization, and worries about the future. This ongoing pressure impacts people's daily lives and can result in deepening despair and discouragement. Is it possible to regularly recalibrate our busy lives so we can find a depth and richness to make positive contributions to others? Host Seth Shapiro is joined by Janice McWilliams, writer, speaker, and therapist for a discussion of her beliefs and the importance of integrating practices that can renew our emotional and spiritual lives. Did you know that six corporations own 90% of the media in the United States? Isn't it about time we own some too? KSQD 90.7 FM, your community radio station. Your voice, your concerns. Go to www.ksqd.org to get involved and support locally owned grassroots community media. K-Squid, K-S-Q-D-F-M.
0: We're back and we're speaking with Julie Weinstein about her book, You Are the Universe, Ram Dass Maps the Journey. Julie, I have another question that I thought... um, was really interesting when he said he appreciated that there could be multiple realities existing at the same time beyond our normal waking and state of consciousness. And the reason I found that interesting is because I recently read a book on quantum mechanics and a string theory, and science is actually... (laughs) The mathematics of quantum mechanics actually would prove there are multiple realities. Now, I know Albert Einstein, was when he was talking about quantum mechanics, he just said he couldn't go there. <laughs> he just couldn't go there. <laughs> and yet the math works. Um, it's just not provable yet. So well, um, can you tell us more about uh, what yeah. Ram Das was uh, appreciating with the multiple realities?
1: Yeah, sure. So I don't know much about quantum physics um, <laughs> or math. But, uh, but yeah, Ram Dass talked a lot about how multiple realities could be true at one time, even within us, right? We can um, be doing something and know it's good, uh, but also be tormented about what we're doing, right? Um, you and I, I, I think, Jill, you and I are probably a bad example, but you and I, for the sake of the argument, you know, could uh, could both be, let's just say, in um, in social action, right? We're both at the protest. But my reality is, I want to abolish X, Y or Z, and you want to instil X, y or Z, right? That is your truth, that is your reality, your you know righteous action, uh, as is mine. Um, so our our realities could be in conflict, but yeah, it could be internal, it could be external, for sure.: uh,
0: and universal. And the universe has multiple realities. Right, right. Just shifting the subject a little bit, um, well, maybe a lot, I really appreciate his comments on voting. He says, for example, you are part of a government whether you like it or not. And not voting is voting. If you say I'm not having anything to do with politics because it's too dirty and because I don't approve of it, then forget it. You are abdicating a, a rejecting responsibility to society. He says it's right. as simple as that. You know, this is th- voting is how we can shift uh, our collective consciousness. Uh, That's right. Go ahead. Yeah, I I
1: really appreciate this section of the book, and I really appreciate how vocal he was about the electoral process. It was something that we talked a lot about. Should we put it in? Should we not keep it in? You know, there's a lot of people that are like. I don't want to participate in this society, right? I don't want to look at that suffering. I don't want to. The voting system is rigged. My vote doesn't matter. You know, I'm in a blue state. I'm in a red state. It doesn't matter, right? There's a lot of reasons. But he very much, and so do I, feel like this is a system that we have to participate in if we're going to see change. And I also want to acknowledge that a lot of people have issues with the electoral process because for so long and still even their vote was silenced, um, or their vote truly didn't matter. Uh, and I just want to acknowledge that this is a real pain point too, you know, especially for certain communities that, um, have a history with, uh, being excluded from the electoral processes. So, um, but yeah, he, he talked a lot about this, um, not, not voting
0: is voting. Well, and that apathy only lets others fill in that power void. <laughs> you That's know, right. it is our one democratization that everyone gets one vote. Uh, Elon right. Musk gets one vo- vote. Uh, you know, Jeff Bezos gets one vote. You get one vote. I get one vote. I mean, it, there's a lot going on to uh, suppress and steal votes, that sort of thing. But it's still your one chance to change that consciousness that we want to change right they also talked he also talked about us versus them, which is another thing that manipulates yeah. voting, I think uh, right in my view, it's a huge weapon in our in dividing our country. He says, right. really, though, there is only us, there is no them. He says mm-hmm. if you try to hold on to the them. You close your heart. You armor your heart. And in mm-hmm. my view, Fox So-Called News has created a business model around yes. armoring America's Americans' hearts. Can you expand more oh, on this yes. concept? Oh, that's
1: a really powerful way to put it. Yes, there are entities in the world working consciously every day that are well-funded, trying to keep us divided. That is white supremacy at its core. That maintains the status quo. The patriarchy, the misogyny, the white supremacy that we see today is well-funded and well-organized. And it, like you said, armors the heart of us.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in the last few minutes, uh, i like to Mm -hmm. ask my guests... What they would suggest for us and what they can, what we can keep doing, stop doing, start doing that would uh, further Ram Dass' teaching, uh, what you're doing. What can we do, what can we keep doing? Okay, so um, I love this
1: question. I don't want to make any assumptions about what people are or aren't already doing. So I'll just offer three key teachings that you might want to incorporate more or less of. But um, Rambas, if he said anything at all, he said to love everyone. He said, we don't have to like everyone's incarnation, (laughs) but we can love their soul. That is the truth of who they really are, right? We can reject the action but not the person. We can love the soul, not their role. And I
0: want to invite us to remember that. Love the while we person work in social action. What was that last one? Love the person, not their love, love the their soul, soul not, the role. You, yeah. not their role. You can
1: reject reject the action but not the person, right? Uh, we are all souls and if it helps you can imagine us all as brand new newborn babies. <laughs> um <laughs> But, but yeah, I love everyone. Uh, this, you know, along the lines of stopping, I mean, or more or whatever, um, he talked a lot about trading in our judging for appreciating and appreciating. He didn't mean like liking, just acknowledging, right? To appreciate the truth, trading your judging, practice cultivating the witness within to see the truth. Go from your identity with your ego to identifying with your soul. Just become the witness and, and, I would say, you know, a lot of us don't. So maybe this is a start unless you're already consciously doing this. If so, I'm bowing to you. He says, the best, this is what I'll leave you with, the best thing I could do to prepare myself for death, and I do want us to all start preparing for our death. the best thing I could do to prepare myself for death is to open my heart, quiet my mind, let go of my expectations, and while I'm waiting today, do what I can to relieve suffering and um, and he talked often about how you know if he wanted to to live his best life, he would practice opening his heart and quieting his mind and later he talked about preparing for dying by opening his heart and quieting his mind, letting go of his expectations, and just continuing to do what he can to relieve the suffering for himself and others.
0: Well, I I also think, you know, again, the pizzazz of the culture is going to pull people away from looking from within. And I often think I'm a Star Trekker, and I love yeah. Star Trek, and they talk about the final frontier is space. But I really think the final frontier is within.
1: Yes, 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 yes.
0: People no, are beautiful. so focused outward and pulled by right. the pizzazz and told what to feel. And yeah. really, stopping all that and looking within, I think, is our final frontier.
1: I think Ramdas would very much agree.
0: Oh, the I'm The so final bad. frontier is within. Yes. <laughs> well, one of Stephen, <laughs> my favorite Stephen Covey quotes, too, was, "Be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic." Oh, that's beautiful. So to try to live on that light and model side of that of that equation, and yeah, that's reject really the beautiful. judge and critic as well.
1: Yeah. So I love this conversation. I'll just say, if anybody wants to pick up a copy of "You Are the Universe," they can do that at their local bookstore, on Amazon, if that's where they choose to purchase. Uh, I think on the Simon and Schuster website. You know, support your local bookstore really is my favorite place. But um,
0: yeah, Uh, support your local bookstore is my favorite too. And maybe in the last couple of minutes, we have also mm -hmm. talk about. Section three, you know, the tools. Okay. It seems mm-hmm. like the tools um, also fit into what we could keep stop or start doing as well. Oh, absolutely. And Rhonda says, keep in mind, these are all
1: methods, and you don't want to get trapped in the method. Mm. They can help you, but they can also make you stuck, right? He says, you don't want to, you don't necessarily want to end up uh, dying, you know, becoming a meditator, right? I'm a meditator. You want to lose yourself in the meditation, right? So don't get too stuck. Don't get too trapped or identified. But, yeah, the the, the third section of the book, these are all methods, uh, practicing karma yoga and bhakti, the bhakti path, like I said. Um, there's a section on mantra for chanting, breathing, um, you know, just a beautiful, beautiful quote I'll, I'll close you with, um, you know, about coming back to your breath each time you notice your mind has wandered to other thoughts or is caught by background noises like you're talking about Mm joe bring your attention back to the easy natural rhythm of your breathing that carries us sometimes in moments of anger or you know in in the sort of center of injustice and come back to your breath for a second
0: it's interesting that you said that because both Eliza and I, just before the show you know eliza 's my program mm-hmm. engineer and mm-hmm. and she 's coming in it 's raining here and and there 's lots yeah. of things to do in the last sixty seconds before the sh- show begins, and we just sat here and took a couple of deep breaths together <laughs> yeah perfect yeah right? that 's be here now be yeah. here now, and that's that 's how you can apply it in your uh, daily life. Well, Julie, thank Thanks. you for being our bold yeah. and impressive guest today. It was yeah. really enlightening and instructive to spend some time with you. Um, you and your twin sister are doing such valuable work. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It's been a real treat to talk with you. Well, thank you. And remember to visit ramdas.org. And there mm-hmm. you will learn more from Ramdas because we must create together. A bold Democratic America with informed and in principle-centered citizens, who possess good character, mm-hmm. in her living, meaningful lives. Because only then will we make constructive and creative policy and voting decisions for our country. Our future mm-hmm. depends on it. What's next Amen. on Be Bold America? Please join us on Sunday, March 12th, when we'll be discussing how can we unlock climate science. For this program, we will be interviewing Monica Granados in Ottawa, Canada, who is the Assistant Director for Open Climate at the international non-profit organization Creative Commons. The climate crisis's resulting harm to our global biodiversity is one of the world's most pressing challenges. The complexity of the climate crisis requires requires global, national, and local actions informed by multidisciplinary research. The goal of Creative Commons' multi-year open climate campaign is to promote open access to research that will accelerate progress towards solving the climate crisis and preserving global biodiversity. We are going to solve our global challenges with global knowledge, meaning the research, data, educational resources, and software must be open and available to all. Find out how we can unlock climate science. Joining Be Bold America on Sunday, March 12th at 5 p.m. And as a reminder, Be Bold America is available as a podcast. Now you may listen to the show anytime for free by subscribing through your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple, Google, and Spotify. I want to give a special thank you to Be Bold America's program engineer, Eliza James, and to our station's program director, Howard Feldstein. You are listening to KSQD Santa Cruz, Many Voices, One Station. Listen worldwide online at ksqd.org. Stay tuned for Intersections with Seth Shapiro. My name is Jill Cody, and thank you for listening to Be Bold America. Until next time, keep stop start.